This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. SETN Preps back to take a look back at week number 10 of high school football in Southeast Tennessee. I'm Chris Goforth. He's Chandler Morrison. We are certainly glad that you are hanging out with us as uh, we're ready to talk a little high school football. You can find us at SETN Preps. That's where we are on Twitter. You can find this podcast available on all the major podcast platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Anchor.fm. So whatever you use, to uh, listen to podcasts, that's where you can find us. If it's a, if you're an Apple subscriber, we certainly appreciate your five star ratings. You can also find us on YouTube and setnpreps.com, Instagram as well. You can find Chandler at Sports Chandler on Twitter. You can find me at Crisco Fourth One. All right, we've got uh, four games. We're going to take a look back at Maryville and McMinn County, Howard and East Ridge, Anderson County and East Hamilton, Boyd Buchanan and Notre Dame. But Chandler, before we get to that, I've got two quick little notes here. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'll save those for later. Those are going to be part of my. Friday night reveals that we'll uh, get to coming up before the uh, before the end of the show. So let's go ahead. If you're ready, man, let's just go ahead and jump in and, and start talking about some of these games from uh, Friday night. Sounds good. Let's go Maryville and McMinn County. I mean, this is the game that, you know, we kind of talked a lot about last week, and we had high hopes for McMinn County that maybe they could go in and knock off Maryville. And McMinn County, they hung in there. They kept it close. Uh, the streak, though, that Maryville is on right now, Chandler, it's unbelievable, man. I mean, you think they haven't lost a region game in 20 years. Maryville hasn't lost to a team from the Chattanooga area since Cleveland beat them in 1994. Unbelievable. Maryville took the ball to start the game. They go 10 plays, 89 yards. They take a 7-0 lead. Their first drive of the third quarter, they go 70 yards in 12 plays. It's 14-0. Later on, they had another nine-play drive that made it 21-0. Maryville threw it a little more than normal uh, on Friday night. They were without 12 players because of either positive COVID test or exposure. And I'll give McMahon County credit. They didn't win this game, but they didn't get embarrassed. And a lot of teams from our area have gone up against Maryville in the past and gotten embarrassed. They didn't get embarrassed, and they didn't make it easy on Maryville either. This is one that Maryville had to go earn. Uh, Jalen Hunt, the outstanding running back at McMinn County, 26 carries, 170 yards. So there you have it, Chandler. Uh, another Chattanooga team goes up against Maryville and comes up empty-handed. Yeah, th- I think this one felt a little bit different, Chris. I know a loss, a loss, a loss. It felt a little bit different, and... You know, this is kind of, you know, this wasn't one that was dominated by Maribel as much as it was they just kind of pulled away there in the second half. Uh, this was a 7-0 game, I believe, at the half, I believe. Yes, yeah, it was. It was 7 nothing at halftime. Men County was really able to kind of hold up on defense. Their offense just couldn't get it going. Jalen Hunt and that offensive line, they're good, Chris. They're great. But when you get behind, especially you're in the second half and that urgency starts to come up, you got to – you, you got to be able to throw the ball. 11 
from what I've, you know, from, this is the stat I found for the paper. 11 passing yards Friday night for the Cherokees. Oof. That's they not going to get 87 yards a game. They were held to 11. By the way, if you're averaging 87 yards a game passing, I mean, you do need to step up the passing game a little bit. I don't know what they have. I don't know if they can, but you've got to be able to do that if you're in County, especially if you want to make a deep run, especially if you want to play Maryville. Again, we'll get to that here in a minute. You can run all you want, but when you get behind the eight ball, you've got to be able to throw the ball and throw it down field. Like you said, Maryville has yet to lose a region game since 2001. Last time Maryville was held to 21 points or less by a region opponent was 2014. That's a pretty good streak, too. Uh, but Minn County has actually beaten Maryville before in its history, believe it or not. You have to go all the way back to 1990 to find that one. Uh, that's back before Maryville started kind of building themselves up as this just enormous giant in 6A. Uh, by the way, I want to give Minn County fans hope a little bit. The last time a team held Maryville to less than 30 points in a regular season game, and then that same team played Maryville in the playoffs, Maryville lost and by a huge margin. And that was Oakland in 2017. Now, Oakland's Oakland. We can say with that, what we want about that, Chris. So the focus for Minn County, listen, whatever you do, make sure your focus is on getting to Maryville. You don't want to look ahead, but make sure your focus is on getting to Maryville in the playoffs because the odds are forever in your favor. If you do get that second matchup with Maryville, it's happened before, and it can happen again. And it, I think that should give at least some of our Chattanooga area fans a little bit of hope when it comes to the outcome of this game. Yeah, and in terms of McMinn County throwing the ball, I felt like they had thrown the ball better here over the second half of the year now. Absolutely. Um, you're right, though, especially in 6A, man. You, you just cannot be one-dimensional in 6A. You've got to have that option of being able to throw the ball if, if you're going to try to be um, – if you're going to contend for a state title in in that classification. So let's move on. Let's go to Howard and East Ridge. I said last week on the podcast that I thought this would be the best game, be the most competitive game of the night. I was pretty much right. Um, and Howard was able to get the win. Now, Chandler, you talk about two teams uh, that didn't throw the ball. <laughs> Howard and Eastridge combined for negative two yards passing. Wow. Wow. Beat East Hamilton Friday night now, and Howard can be second in the region and host a playoff game. That's huge for Howard. They have really, after a sluggish start to begin the season, Howard has really turned this thing around and really turned it on. Uh, their quarterback, Jacoby Dixon, had 112 yards rushing. And Howard was able to, you go back to last week and listen to our podcast when we previewed this game. I said then, I felt like Howard had to contain Eastridge big plays because Cameron Sanders, Eastridge's quarterback, is a big play guy. So you had to keep him contained. They did that. And I thought Howard had to rely on that big offensive line and just pound on Eastridge and control the ball, control the clock, shorten the game. That's exactly what Howard did. That's how they won this game. It's a great win for Howard, and it puts them in position now to host a playoff game next week. We were both high on Howard back in the summer. We had John Starr on, and uh, we visited with him. That's that's You can go back in the archives, and uh, you Howard folks, you can go back in the archives and find that uh, – um, find that interview and be able to go back and listen to it. And they kind of got off to, it was a little bit of a, they, they hit a lull there at some point in the season where they had lost a couple of games in a row. And But 
man, this this team has they they are playing the way we thought Howard could play this year. Congratulations to them. That's a good win for them against a uh, a good opponent in East Ridge. Howard, like you said, they solidified that three seed. They can get the two seed potentially with the game against East Hamilton. I want to talk about East Ridge though for a second. East Ridge will now be left fighting for a spot in the playoffs. And don't look now, Chris, but Hickson, if they beat East Ridge Friday night, which is a strong possibility that they could do this, Hickson is in the playoffs, East Ridge is out, and East Ridge goes from being the three seed in the span of two games to being out of the playoffs completely. And and I had to do a double take when I saw that, Chris, because, you know, all our experience of of Hickson since we started this podcast has been they've just not been able to make the playoffs, those kind of things. Chris, they can make the playoffs here. Just in the next game, we'll talk about that later this week. But you know, this is a close game between Howard and East Ridge. I, you know, I'm not sure who would win this one. I couldn't tell you back then who would win it. It was a back and forth game Friday night. To me, I think it came down to who made the plays at the right time. Not to sound cliche, there at the end, I think it was like 10-8, and then like late, late, late fourth quarter, Howard just goes up and hits, you know, hits a touchdown there and. Golly, Chris, I can't believe negative two yards. Talk about some coaches that do not want to put the ball in the air. I mean, <laughs> golly. But it is a, you were right. It was, it was a good game. It would have been a good game to sit there and watch. I'm sure the defensive people out there would have, would have been excited. The offensive people, eh. But <laughs> as far as being out there and, and being at that game, I think that would have been a fun one to watch. Anderson County and East Hamilton. Uh, it was all Anderson County. They hammered East Hamilton 43 to 14. Said last week that I thought this Anderson County team might be better than the one they had last year. I'm pretty much convinced that Anderson County is the better team, uh, this year than Anderson County was last year. Uh, especially after seeing the way they were able to beat East Hamilton. Um, I know they are now. I mean, this is a really, really good Anderson County team. And it looks like, you know, we're going to talk here at some point in time. The TSSAA is going to set the new regions. Um, and, and you take a look at what's going to happen in uh, 4A in our area. 4A football is getting affected more than anything else. Really, 4A and 5A, to me, it looks like, are the the two that are, are getting affected the most and it looks like Anderson County unless they're going to go with an eight-team region and I don't see them doing that I think Anderson County will probably end up moving out of that region and going somewhere up north uh, back towards Knoxville and you know our Chattanooga schools won't have to deal with them again until the playoffs but Anderson County that's a doggone good program just a good program yeah, you want to talk about how good that program is. You want to talk about why it's so good, Chris? Here's the thing. The region, it's funny that you should bring up the region realignments because the last time they were realigned, Chris, Anderson County went into this region that they're in now with, with all of our area teams. Before that, Chris, I just want to say, as good as this is, Anderson County is good for a reason because the last region they were in included Knoxville Catholic, who moved up to 5A the next year and was the champ in 2017. Oof. Knoxville Central, who moved up to 5A the next season, and they were the state champ in 2018 and 2019. Carter, who moved up to 5A. Fulton, who moved up to 5A and kept getting (laughs) ousted out of the playoffs by Knoxville Catholic. And then Union County is the only team that that Anderson County beat in the past two seasons. In the last two seasons they were in that region, they're still in 4A. So you want to talk about a tougher – by the way, Knoxville Catholic, I don't think I mentioned this, they actually moved to Division II AAA 
in 2018. So this is a team, they're having to play a Macaulay-Baylor team in their region every year. You want to talk about how they're so good? That's why they're good, Chris. It's, wow. It's, 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 it's a weird thing. But this game it was just dominated from start to finish by Anderson County. And honestly, I wonder how much of an effect of an effect. Now, I'm not going to say they would have won this game, Chris. I'm not saying that. But I honestly wonder how much of an effect that Walker Valley loss played into this. I said in the last episode that this would either be a resounding rebound energy or it would just become a snowball effect. And it cannot become a, more of a snowball effect than it already has because you got Howard up next week with a home playoff game on the line. You can't you can't afford to do that. And by the way, a little quick note. Uh, this doesn't seem as impressive when we talk about Maryville since 2000, but Anderson County hasn't lost a region game since 2016 since they moved into the current region. Uh, and I told you why, because look at their previous region. Yeah, they no were, doubt. They were trying to beat up on somebody because they had been beat up on. Holy smokes. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to another, uh, another game here. Let's go Boyd Buchanan and Notre Dame. Where in the world has this Notre Dame team been, uh, or this Boyd Buchanan team been, I should say? They're now three and three on the year with Knox Grace coming into their place on Friday. They look like a team. I thought Friday night looked like a team that could do some damage in November. This was our uh, Friday night rivals game on the CW, and I don't know where this Boyd Buchanan team has been all year. But I know Coach Boskin told us last week that they finally got all of their players back. He said the uh, the, the last game they played was the first time they, they had their full complement of players where somebody wasn't injured or somebody was, you know, quarantining for whatever the reason. And I thought they really looked good. I mean, they really looked great. Um, and I thought this game would be a shootout, too. And Boyd Buchanan's defensive line, they played really, really well. They got pressure on Bennett Brinson, uh, Notre Dame's quarterback, and they kept Notre Dame behind the sticks all night. Boyd Buchanan, I don't know how they're going to finish. There's still a chance they may not make the playoffs. But I'm going to tell you, uh, I would not want to have to play them this week, and I sure as heck wouldn't want to have to play them in November based off what I saw from them Friday night. I mean, they they looked like a Division two team. Yeah, and, and Chris, I was impressed. I was watching that game, too. I was very impressed with what Boyd Buchanan was able to do. I, I thought at the beginning of the season that the short season would actually help Boyd Buchanan. It seemed to hurt them, but I think in the long run it has helped them more than it has hurt them. And, and when I turn around and I look at this whole situation with Will Buchanan, i got to sit there and say, man, they have just stepped up the second half of the season. They're sitting at 500. They're going to they They're probably going to make the playoffs. I would say about 95% chance of them making the playoffs. Uh, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know where this Boy Buchanan team come from, came from, but I would not want to be matched up with them in the first round. Now, I will say this. I did get a chance to look at the new – uh, to the most play bracket, they changed it up. Me and Chris had talked about this. Uh, they had t- they changed up how the bracket works now, to where now there's a team in the West and a team in the East that both missed the playoffs uh, in each of those, and uh, there'll be one in the East. Uh, the one seed plays the six seed from the same region, Chris. So, uh, Boy Buchanan will play the number one, which is likely CAK in the first round. So. Uh, you know, I don't know where they came from, but golly, I, I think Boy Buchanan more than anybody else is going to make is bound to make a surprise run because of how good they've been and how they've been able to kind of push together a run. You able to? Are you ready to get to our Friday night reveals, Chandler? Oh, I'm born ready.
Hey guys, it's Chandler Morrison from the SCTM Preps Podcast. I am so excited to tell you about our new show on the SCTM Preps Network. It's called Playoffology with me, John Boston, and Will Frizzell. Listen, it's going to be a great show. We're going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? What are you talking about the playoffs? We can't even win a game. Listen, we're going to talk about the playoffs, where your team is going to be, where they're going to be at home, on the road, how far they're going into the playoffs, maybe a state championship run for some teams. Listen, you're going to love it. It's called Playoffology every Tuesday on social media and on the SETM Preps Network podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. You can find it on social media, setmpreps.com slash Facebook, on IGTV. We'll have that on there too. And on our YouTube channel, SETM Preps. All right, this is something that we do every week. It's something you, we just started doing it this uh, year. It's We call it our Friday Night Reveals, and it's where Chandler and I kind of reveal what we learned, what was showed to us on Friday night in uh, high school football in southeast Tennessee. So, Chandler, I'm going to go back. This is one that I had a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to bring it back again because I think it's it's topical once more. Maryville and Anderson County are still for real. Those are two Really good football teams. Here's something else that was revealed to me this Friday night. South Pittsburgh and Meigs County are our best hopes to win a state championship this year. Those are the two schools that if if we're going to have a state champion come out of our area, it's going to be one of those two. It's either going to be South Pittsburgh or Meigs County. or Hopefully, I hope both of them do it. But that's the way I feel right now. I think we've got two potential state champions one is in 1a and one is in 2a yeah and here's the thing when you talk about that chris i I, want to go back i want to thank real quick just off the top of my head no one and it seems like this has been kind of a trend but outside of 1a and 2a state champions we've not had one in you know in the public schools at least above 1a and 2a since probably what red bank in 2000 am i missing one here Oh, let's see. There was Red Bank. Um, yeah, yeah. You're you're probably right about that. Uh, you know, obviously Macaulay. Macaulay last year. Um, Notre Dame played for one, but didn't win it. Well, I know Baylor had played for one or won one back in like the early 2010s or something. Of that yeah. Nature. Uh, Signal Mountain was two A, so they're not included in this yep. discussion when they won that. Yeah, I mean, now, you're... I was talking, now I was talking about public schools. Public right. schools above one A and two A, because the private schools it's so small of a, of a pool. Sometimes I don't consider that. No, you I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're. The last one. I think you're. Yeah. I, that's again. I'm going off the top of my head here, and there's probably going to be something obvious that I will have forgotten, but. I, was Red Bank 4A or 3A at that point? I think they were 4A, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I they, think they were, were. And then if you go above, uh, well, we we only had like, was it 5A or was there 4A and 5A at that point? I know there wasn't a 6A at that point. No, right? I think well, all we had was 5A. Yeah, I, think, so. I think back then that was right after. I'm trying to think of the chain of events. I used to know it all as far as um, – I know Cleveland had of won, how it won changed. one or two back in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, Cleveland in the 90s, yeah. Cleveland had their run in the 90s right around the same time that Marion County was having they were theirs. Or a 5A school. In the in the 90s. Um, well, back then, I think Cleveland. 
Yeah, Cleveland was was three A, and then I, I think they might have gone back at one time as a as a four A team. I'm trying to remember of of when we expanded classifications. Now, after a while, it all starts to run together. I mean, I, I still remember when we only had the three classifications. There was one A, two A, and three A. So, yeah. I wonder when we're going to have another big school from our area be able to go on a run. I know the small schools. We have small schools galore that go on runs all the time. One A, two A. I wonder when we're going to see the next 3A, 4A, 5A. Will we ever see a 6A program with the way Maryville just keeps on cranking them out? I wonder. Um, that, that's just, that, that was just a thought that it crossed my mind that I don't think we've had one since Red Bay. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, the, the 4A region um, in Chattanooga starting next year is going to be ridiculous. When you're talking oh, yeah. about mm. When you're talking about Red Bank moving up, uh, into 4A. You're going to get more Red Bank East Hamilton, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's going to be a really, really tough um, region. I, I think it's possible that we could see one in, in, in 4A. And, you know, I guess it's possible that we could see one in, um, you know, in 5A, especially the way our, our, our current 5A programs really seem to be. Um, that's a, that's a region that seems to be getting better. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a region that seems to be getting better. Now, they're going to have Saudi Daisy drop down. Saudi will be in that 4A. So you're going to have Red Bank, Saudi, East Hamilton, Hickson, uh, Central, um, Eastridge, and Howard. I mean, you're talking about a seven-team region. If they keep Anderson County in there, it would be an eight-team region. And that's the reason why I think they're going to send Anderson County back towards the Knoxville area, and we're going to end up with a seven-team 4A region down here that's going to be ridiculous next year. It will be fun. There's going to be – it's one of those things where there's going to be a big game every Friday night in that region from somebody yeah. because you got too many good programs, too many good coaches, and it's it's going to be – it's going to be hard to handle in 4A. So I think if you run the gauntlet and can come out of that in 4A, I think you've got to be somebody that would be considered as a contender. Yeah, as a contender, sure. But you know, uh, again, I, you know, uh, maybe maybe we'll see Bradley and, and Cleveland go on one of their runs again. But you know, right now, I, I don't feel like there's anybody that it's. It's really imminent to where you say, "Hey, this this is a state title contender in in one of those large classifications." At least not right now. Yeah. Before I get to my Friday night rules, Chris, I want to ask you a question that I had the other day that I thought this would be a good question for Chris. Are you buying or selling more that Red Bank has a better chance at a title in four A or three A? What what are you, what do you like more? Because you got Alcoa in three A. I know you got your tough teams in four A. But Alcoa being that staple, do you think they have a better chance of maybe winning it in the future being in 4A, or do you think their chances are better in 3A? You know, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't looked at it from the standpoint of getting away from Maryville, I mean, uh, getting away from Alcoa. But there's probably, you know, maybe it does kind of help them out a little bit uh, to not have that in East Tennessee that you know you're going to have to deal with every year. Yeah, because I remember a couple of years ago, Sigma Mountain went from 2A to 4A in the classification. I believe it was like the year right after they won the state championship. They did. They did. And I think they, they actually moved up to 4A. They could have been in 3A. I think they wanted the, – the word on the street was they wanted to avoid Alcoa in 3A. They were like right at the top there, and so they moved up 
to 4A because they were right on the border there, so they just went ahead and moved up to avoid Alcoa because they knew how tough Alcoa was going to be to beat in 3A. It was just – it's almost – you look at it now, it's almost impossible to beat Alcoa in, in 3A. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it. It, it, feel, it feels it feel like, like it. it. Um, my two Friday night reveals, um, they're more of like statements as far as things that happen Friday night that I think are going to go unnoticed. One, Grundy County beats Sequatchie County. Now, that is significant for the fact that now Sequatchie County is out of the playoffs. Did that hurt your heart? No, because I saw it coming, Chris. No. <laughs> <laughs> well. I saw it coming, Chris. Um, Grundy County has not beaten a team on the field in its own classification since 2017. Grundy County gets its first win over Sequatchie County since 2014. First road win against Sequatchie County since 2002. Wow. And by, the, and by the way, the last time they beat Sequatchie County, they did end up in the playoffs. That win was uh, overtime on the mountain. I remember I was doing radio for that game. It was 36-35 was the final score in overtime. Wow. So that was a, that was a bonus. By the way, uh, Grundy County, a team that went 0-10 last year, and that was their second win of the season. So kind of like Hickson, uh, has shown some improvement this year. I think uh, Grundy County, they've they've shown a little bit of improvement as the year's gone on. I mean, it's baby steps, but it's improvement. Baby steps get you in the playoffs. Baby that's steps right. build the program. So that's you know, right. That's, that's how you got to look at it. Uh, by the way, South, uh, South Pittsburgh beat Cell Creek 84-8. to eight. Uh, In 2008, they beat Whitwell 82-0. Going back, I, I have records going back to 1969. South Pittsburgh has never scored more than 82 points in a game until Friday night, from what I can see. Now, I may be staying corrected, but they scored 84 points, the most points they've scored in a game, at least since 1969. I don't have any records going back beyond 1969. You might have someone that can look at that, Chris, but as far as I know, as far as I can see, unless I'm missing something, they have not scored 84 points in the game ever. So my buddy Sean that does the radio for South Pittsburgh, he sent me a text the other day. South Pittsburgh has the highest scoring offense in a 1A football in the state. No surprise there, by the way. But They probably would be better than the, than a lot of the 2A and 3A programs. I would like to see where they rank in the, in the 2A and 3A programs. Well, they've, they've scored 160 points. The, I mean, they're averaging 80 points a game the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, seventy six and eighty four in the in the last two weeks. I mean, that's that's just that's just mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. That that is it for my Friday night reveals. There's more. It was more nuggets than it was reveals. But I revealed you. I revealed you some nuggets, and now there we go. Darn, <laughs> I don't know, Chris. I, don't know. I just want to put those nuggets out there because as soon as the Grady Caddy game happened, or I saw that Sequatchie County was going to lose that, I just started looking at the history because I knew. There was something there as far as it had been a while. Uh, I think it was like right after my senior year. I knew it was right after my senior year that they had actually lost the last time. But, you know, Grundy County is – we talked about them for a while, Chris, about how they just kind of been a bottom feeder. And they still kind of are, but they're going to make the playoffs this year. And I think – I don't know whether it says more about Grundy County moving forward or if it says more about how – excuse my language, but how bad Sequatchie County has been this year as far as compared to their previous years. Yeah. You know, this is a team three years ago, they were in the semifinals versus Alcoa, and now they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time since 2015. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on SETN Preps. Again, make sure you make plans to be with us coming up later in the week. Chandler and I will be back on Thursday. 
The next podcast will drop on Thursday, and that is where we will take a look at the Week 11 matchups for high school football in Southeast Tennessee. This is it, Chandler. We're going into the final hard-to-believe. You and I, back in August, when it was 150 degrees, were sitting around trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, are we going to be able to get this season in? Are we really going to be able to do this? Well, we did it. Here we go. We're going in. It hadn't gone without its bumps, granted. No, it has not. Uh, and some programs have been uh, affected more so than others. But here we are. We're ready to go with um, uh, the final week of the regular season in Tennessee high school football. So Chandler and I will be back with you again on Thursday and we'll have a total preview of Friday night's action. We're going to talk about a lot of the games that have playoff implications, just like we did this last week. Chandler will tell you why those games are important. Chandler, tell folks about playoffology and what you've got cooking. So if the playoffs interest you, if it interests you at all, where your team's going to end up, how this all shakes out, or even if you're just curious about, like, why is this team the third seed, this one the fourth seed, when this team beat this team, and all these other confusing things. Listen, I've spent all day today on the day we're recording this, I've spent, like, all day today trying to figure out what teams are going to be in the playoffs. And, and let me tell you, Chris, if you're if anybody's interested, tune into Playoffology because we have some interesting debacles. We have, like, a bunch of three-way ties that are going to the second and third tiebreakers, Chris, to, to be decided. It, it's a fun week for me to be able to look through all this. So, Join us on Playoffology. It's myself and John Boston. We had some video hiccups last week. I think we've got them fixed. So you'll be able to see that on Facebook, IGTV, and YouTube. That's Playoffology episode number three coming at you on Tuesday. All right. We'll see you back here on SETN Preps on Thursday with a preview of the final week of the regular season in high school football. Do you ever feel like your voice isn't heard when you're listening to a podcast? You want to yell, you want to scream, or you just want to tell us that we're doing a good job or maybe we might actually be right? Imagine that. Then go to anchor.fm. You can go on the app. You can go on the website. You can go right on your phone on the browser, and you can record a voice message. That's right. You can let your voice be heard on the SETN Preps podcast. Just go to anchor.fm and go to our page, SETN Preps, and you can leave a voice message and tell us what you think.